0: title of the message today is The Word of God. Look with me in Psalms 119 verse 104 through 106 and here's what it reads. Through thy precepts I get understanding therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Well, let me take a moment to, to, to give you a little context of what we're seeing here coming from the book of Psalms, chapter 119. This is actually the longest chapter in the Bible, it consists of 176 verses. And so we don't know exactly who wrote it, we believe it's Ezra, but he had a whole lot to say. This is also an acoustic chapter which means that he used the Hebrew alphabet to give us something to see here as he put the alphabet together and actually the very first title that we see which is spelled A-L-E-P-H means to study. So we could look at this very beginning and we see that he says to study and we see these psalms which is written kind of like in a poem And it's an acoustic to give us a message, to be able to hang on to, to reveal some things to us. And so he's speaking to the Hebrews, to the Israelites, and we see in the book of songs that there are some things that he wants to reveal in this passage. He wants to reveal the richness of our God coming to life through his words. That literally these words are living and alive and we can see God coming through his words. And so we take a moment to reflect upon that. as we look closer at this chapter, almost every verse in this chapter speaks in some form about the word of God. So at least to the writer of the book of Psalms 119, the word of God was important, would you agree? that he was giving us something to hang on to, something to think about, something to meditate on, because the overall message of 119 focuses on the truth of God's Word. And so we're going to spend a little time talking about that today, the Word of God. And maybe as I was doing that little question and answer, some thoughts came to your mind about what the Word of God is, specifically the Scriptures the Word. I'd like you to think about and remind you of the two Greek words that that signify the Scriptures are the Word of God. And these two Greek words that we see here is logos and rhema. Keep that in your mind, logos and rhema, as I take a moment to try to explain and, and, and break that down for you. See, logos means the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. These words that we see written on these texts he refers principally to the total inspired word of God and to Jesus Christ who is the living word the living logos so we we take some opportunity to look at biblical examples where we see that word logos in scripture I'd ask you to turn with me to John 1 1 And it says this in John 1, what it says, In the beginning was the word Logos, and the word Logos was with God, and the word was God. The inspired word of God was from the beginning. It was God, and it was with God. We also see in John 1, verse 14, it says this, And the word Logos was made flesh and dwelt among us, So Jesus Christ was the living word walking and talking among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He brought truth with him and he brought grace. So as we look at this word, we see the inspired word of God. We see God himself and we see Jesus, the living word. And so, I want you to stay with me for a moment because we're going to break this down a little bit further. And so, we're reminded also in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus is giving this parable. He's talking to him about the parable of the sower. And he's talking about where they're sowing it on stony ground, on thorny ground. And so, he, he says this part in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 11. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the logos, the inspired word of God. So he says in this parable that they're chilling and they're preparing to plant that seed, the word of God on fertile ground? Or is it being planted on thorny or rocky? All the situations of life allowing our heart to be closed off to the word of God. Are we allowing, because of the desires of our heart, to be stony to where the word of God is easily plucked out? And so he also speaks about verse 10 in that very same chapter. He says, unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. See, the word has a lot of parables in it. It has a lot of deep truths in it. So that when we look at it and pick it up without the Spirit of God on inside of us, it's going to sound like foolishness. It's going to sound weird. It's going to sound hard. But when we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, it speaks truth to us. It reminds us of God's love and His grace and His mercy. It reminds us that He has a just plan for you and I. See, this logos means God's inspired word can be planted in your heart and can grow because it's living. See, his word can literally be planted on the inside of you and cause some amazing things to happen on the inside of you that transforms the world inside of you and can't help but transform the world around us. If we allow this word to be planted in us, See, but the word of Logos has a purpose. See, there's a purpose behind all of this. See, I want to explain some of those purposes that the word of God has for you and I. See, the, one of the first purposes that it has is for life. It leads us from death unto life. It leads us to salvation. 1 Peter 1 chapter 23 says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word logos of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So he wrote these words. He gave us this letter so that as we read it, as we hear it preached, that it would lead us to salvation, that we would understand that God loved us so much that he not only sent Jesus Christ but God himself was willing to suffer so that we could come into relationship with him. He was willing to be long-suffering. He was willing to wait. He was willing to give us time, but to draw us by his living word to him, by his sweet, sweet spirit that comes off of these pages, that we would know his unmeasurable love for us. See, it also says in Philippians 2.16, holding forth the word of life. See, we're not just holding forth an old scroll. scroll. We're not just holding forth an old book that's, that's hard to understand. We're holding the word of life. That it brings life to the hearer, to the reader. That we move from death to life. But see, also the purpose of logos, the inspired word of God, is for work. See, we do a lot of work around here, don't we? We do a lot of work in this world, don't we? But are we doing the right work? Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word, logos of truth. See, as we study the word of God, it shows us what's right and what's wrong. It brings to our heart, it convicts us of the things that we're doing and that we walk in in spirit and in truth and that our work is for him. For it's in him we move and breathe and have our being. And so it steadies us, it focuses us, it allows us to truly understand what's important in this life. And we do the work. See, God has placed a calling on each and every one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for you and I. And as we study his word, we ready ourselves, we prepare ourselves for that divine work. That he can work it in us to the fullest. But we're reminded also that, it's, that the Scriptures tell us that many are called, but few are chosen. If we don't do the work, God's not going to say, I need you to go. See, we do the work, we prepare, we get ready. We be ready in season and out of season to give an answer of the hope. See, it's, it's not so much of us trying to project it or put it into place. We ready ourselves, and God brings the time and the season. And as we're ready, we give an answer of the hope and the glory that's within us. Another purpose for the Logos word is for defense, that there's going to be trials, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be a war that's going on to keep us silent. But Hebrews 4:12 reminds us of this. It says, "The word Logos of God is quick." and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword able to cut but we look at that word emphasis quick means alive see the word of God is alive and it's active it's moving and so as we are studying the word of God as we are readying ourselves see there's a defense that we need to understand God has given us a weapon so as the enemy come towards us, we can quickly defend with the word of God. And then we see that Logos, the inspired word of God, provides liberty. Look with me. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, the world is designed to keep us in bondage, to keep us enslaved to all the the cares and the things of this world. But the word of God sets us free. Not to believe lies and not to walk in darkness, but to walk in truth. And so hold on to those thoughts when we think about logos and the inspired word of God and all of its purposes as we move into the second Greek word of that. Scripture, Word of God. Scripture also means rhema. See, rhema refers to the word that is spoken and means an utterance. That the Word of God will speak to you. That it will utter through the Spirit God's truth to you. The Word speaks to us and May is a verse or portion of Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings and guides us to to give attention to so that it will specifically answer and provide application to situations in our life. You ever picked up the Word and you was going through something and you needed an answer and you didn't understand what was going on and the Holy Spirit led you to just the right passage and it spoke to you And you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was giving you an answer. That he was speaking to you. You ever sat in a church service and you heard the word of God being spoken, being preached, and you knew that he was talking right to you? See, that's a rhema word. That's God meeting you at the very point of your need. That's God answering you. He's a loving God. Seek and you shall find. Ask and he will answer. See, Rhema is the spoken, uttered word that the Holy Spirit directs and leads us to. Because we're reminded that these are living words and God wants to speak his life into you and I. See, the emphasis on the scripture for personal application when we think about Rhema. That God wants to share and answer you and meet you at the very point of your need. See, every word of God is inspired. We see that in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, God's going to tell you when you're doing stuff wrong through his word too. He's going to correct. He's going to rebuke. He's going to instruct you how to do it right. And so we can depend upon his holy word. We can trust him. He has an answer for every situation and problem in our life. It is the Holy Spirit who eliminates particular scripture for application in the daily walk with the Lord. See, the Holy Spirit leads us to it. We receive the word of God, the logos, the inspired word of God. We plant those seeds on the inside of us. And then the Holy Spirit comes and reminds us of his truth and speaks to us because the word on the inside of us grows. So Jesus specifically makes a significant point about this in Matthew 4.4. 4. Would you turn with me there? Matthew 4.4, 4, and it says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, But by every word, rhema word, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Specific, anointed, uttered word for you and I, coming out of the mouth of God. He tells us that God intends to speak a specific rhema uttered word to us through his inspired word. Logos and gives us guidance and wisdom throughout this life if we are willing to follow his way and listen. That's why we see in the Bible, it says, him that have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. See, if we're not careful, we can turn our ears off. We can harden our heart. We can miss what God says. It's saying, so often we say, God's not speaking to me. I can't hear him. See, really, God is always speaking. It's, are we listening? Do we have eyes to see, and do we have ears to hear? Are we listening for God to speak to us? Do we get up in the morning and say, speak to me, Lord? Do we come to church with a desire to hear personally from God? Not from Jeff Williams, not from pastor chap or anyone else but are we desiring to hear from god and he'll meet us at the very point of our desire he will in no ways turn us away he's telling us that god intends that we see in his word to speak specifically to us logos gives us guidance as we look at the word of God and wisdom throughout this life. But if we are willing to follow his way and listen, we'll hear a specific direction from God. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 6, verse 63. See, Jesus stated this He said, The words, Rhema, that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. She says, I speak to you. You remember on that road to Damascus when they were walking with Jesus and they didn't know it was Jesus? And after he revealed, to, revealed himself to them, he has been speaking all about the prophets and telling them all the scriptures and unfolding it and breaking it to them. And they said, Did not our hearts burn within us? Just the same God. He wants to speak. Life and his spirit as he speaks it flows through us it should cause something to happen on the inside see if you just study in for knowledge you're missing it saints this word is living God wants to embrace you he wants to put his arm around you through his word he wants you to know that he's right there that he's with you That no matter what it looks like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, let's talk about it. How can we know God is speaking to me? When God gives a rhema for us to act upon, he often confirms it by a second rhema. Maybe you've been reading the word of God and you saw something and you were like, man, God really spoke to me. And so he'll share that with someone else or he'll bring it about in a sermon or some form that you would know and be confirmed that god was speaking to you look at second corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 it says this in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word rhema be established let every uttered word let every god speaking to you be established God did this to me just last night. I I, I was studying and I was thinking about all the things that God wanted me to share this morning. And then I saw a note that I needed to call Cindy and I picked up my phone and called her. And she started speaking to me. And she started speaking to me about the very thing that God was laying on my heart. And it was like, there's the confirmation. She didn't know, but God knew. He was confirming it in my heart. And so let's take some biblical insights into this word rhema so we can see it unfold in Scripture a little bit. See, remember that the word rhema is a word that is spoken and means an utterance. A Rhema is a verse or a portion of Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention with application to a current situation or need direction in our life and the following scriptures gives us some examples of that just three look with me in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 7 it says this so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word Rama of God so often we think this scripture is just talking about hearing teaching and preaching this scripture is not just saying to hear the word of God from Logos, the inspired Word of God. And maybe there's someone here who think, well, I, I went to church, I heard a good message, you know, I got some things to think about. Well, I studied my Bible today, and I learned about David and Goliath, and so we understand a, a, a portion of Scripture. But did we hear God speak to us through his Word, guided by the Holy Spirit, I know he was speaking directly to me. And through his rhema, God strengthens my faith. So that's what that scripture is telling us. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, the rhema, we hear God speaking to us. We see it coming out in his word. He's confirming it to us And it strengthens our faith. Let me give you another one to look at in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word rhema of God. So, what rhema from God is this? See, there are two specific areas that God wants to speak to every child of God about that if there's nothing else that we can think about you know when it comes to knowing Christ and and what he's done for us and the specific things in our life this scripture speaks to two primary areas that God wants to speak to us and confirm within us see the helmet of salvation is the assurance of salvation And it represents anticipation of our future salvation that we have a home in the heavens. That we have a home with God. That he is, that we can be assured of our salvation that he sent Jesus Christ and it confirms it in us. You ever been there where you just, you you, you know you came to Christ, you know you got saved, but might be some doubts from time to time. Maybe the devil kind of just playing with your mind, messing with you. Maybe you do something that you shouldn't do and you read that scripture that you'll know them by their works and so you do it and you kind of like you have all this condemnation comes upon you see god wants to assure us of his plan that he loves us so much who better to assure us of this than god's voice see the rhema of god speaks to us about His undying and unconditional love for us. Oddly enough, often the Christians who are walking faithfully with God struggle the most with assurance. We struggle with it. And those that are not walking faithfully with him are not very concerned about salvation at all, even though they should be. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free that you can be free in him so why is this important that we have this assurance of salvation professor gregory brown of trinity international university said it this way when true believers are constantly worried about their salvation they are not much used to the kingdom of god They typically don't evangelize or serve. They essentially stop growing because they are too concerned with themselves. This is why attacking the head is a common tactic of Satan, and it makes a Christian unprofitable. That we become so inward-focused that God wants us to be free and understanding his immeasurable love for us, that he sealed it with a promise that we can trust in the salvation that was paid for by Jesus Christ. And now we walk in that freedom. Yes, we don't frustrate the gospel. We don't frustrate what Christ did for us and live on greasy grace. But we get to we get to serve God, we get to walk out, we get to show His glory. we get to have joy and peace in understanding that He has saved us and set us free, and that we have a home in the heavens, and that we're so excited of walking in that liberty that we're no longer slaves and sins of sin to this world that we want everybody to go with us. We want somebody to go to heaven. We want somebody to experience that liberty and freedom that we have. That we were bound up, that we were slaves in trespasses and sins, but the Lord Jesus Christ set us free. And that we can walk in full assurance of it. But it's also important that we look at that scripture and understand what the sword of the Spirit means. See, the sword here Paul is referring to is not the broad sword, That the Roman soldiers, that big long sword, but the dagger is what he's talking about, which had various lengths. Some of them was about six inches, some maybe 18 inches. But it was also common for a Roman soldier to wear it on his waist. That he, if he had to do hand-to-hand combat, he could defend himself. And so that sword of the Spirit is the Word of God that's right there, that's on the inside of us, that's ready, that immediately when the devil attacks. See, Jesus did it. When Satan tried to attack him, when he took him into the high places and he tried to do all these things, Jesus responded to him with the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, right, but word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he was always ready. And he's telling us to be ready. The sword of the Spirit, as God speaks to you, he's pouring his word inside of you. That word is a seed that's being planted and it's going to grow. And it's going to flourish and it's right there ready. And so the Holy Spirit, as soon as the Satan and the world tries to come against so him, the Holy Spirit says, now say." Now speak. Give no thought of what you will say or do, but allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you because it's on the inside of us. But if it's not there, if we're not studying, when those situations of life come, when the trials come, we'll be like, what do I do now? What do I say? We're reaching for a defense and we don't have anything on us. We don't have it on the inside of us. We're naked and undone. And the world just beats us over and over again. And so he tells us, put on that helmet of salvation. Let the word speak to you about the assurance of your salvation and where you're going. Allow the word of God, the raven of God, and be a sword of a spirit on the inside of you. That the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty towards God. To the pulling down of strongholds and the lifting up of the same. That you have a strong tower in the Lord and you can stick that dagger into the devil and he will flee. And God is the one who assures that in us. So the Holy Spirit guides you to and through the Word of God about the particular situation you now have, the weapon to fight against any attack of the devil. Not having to search for your weapons because they are spiritual, not carnal. See, carnal, how many times have y'all lost the keys? Looking for stuff in your house because you laid it down or couldn't remember where it's... See, that spiritual is on the inside. It's always ready. It's not carnal. And then the third point of Scripture I'd like to share with you today is found in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 7. It says this, If ye abide in me and my word, rhema, abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. See, look at that, scriptures, saints. If you abide in me and my words that God is uttering and speaking through his inspired word, abide in you. See, that word abide means to dwell and to rest in. If you continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak truth to you through his word, to correct you, to lead you in the way of righteousness, you can ask what you will, because it will be the will of the Father. See you'll be like Jesus. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Because ins- you're reading His an inspired word, and God's rhema word is speaking in specifically to you, and encourage you in building your faith that all you want to do is what the Father tells you to do. So now you speak it, and God said it's done. But when we're outside of that, we speak all of these things. We're not f- following God's plan. We're not studying his word. We're not allowing him to speak to us. We're getting caught up in the cares of the world, and then we say, God, do this. He's are like, wait a minute. Are you speaking out of your will or my will? And we wonder why he doesn't answer or he doesn't do that thing because we're not speaking it according to his will. See, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Not the other way around. All these other things be added, and then when we get in trouble with it, we go, God, I'm seeking you. So, we got to do it God's way. So, how do I experience this, Rhema? In a regular course of our daily reading of God's word, we need to ask God to speak to us through his word and to give us insight into it. Speak to me, Lord. Share your truth, give me your insights. The Holy Spirit can cause certain passages to stand out with significant meaning or application for our lives. I had a sister share that with me today, that that's how she confirmed her salvation. God spoke to her, and she knew it in the Word. She needed to do something with it. He spoke directly to her. Amen? And he wants to do the same for us. These are the ramas of Scripture and should become a part of our daily thoughts and actions. If we pick the Word up and we're just trying to read a story, we're just trying to read uh, history, we're going to miss it. But if we pick up the inspired Word of God, expecting God to speak to us and meet us at the very point of our need, that is preparing our heart for fertile soil, for a seed to be planted, for God to speak mightily into our life. And he will do it. He's faithful over and over again. So I'm reminded of, 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 of David. And I thought about it a little bit, and I said, why did David have so much joy and peace? Why did the Bible say things like, David danced out of his clothes? And, and, and the Bible gives passages that talk about how he was a man after God's own heart. You remember that? You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 13, 14, Samuel the prophet said, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And then in Acts 13 verse 22, Paul speaks of it. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. And I thought about it. I was like, why did the scripture say that? Is it because David was obedient in all things? Well, we know that wasn't true. We can look at Scripture and we can go, David messed up from time to time. But then I see in, in Scripture, Psalms 19, verse 7 and 8, written by David. And he says this, the law of the Lord... Is perfect, converting the soul, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. See, David was a man of God's word. He allowed himself to be. In the presence of God's word. And it did something on the inside of him that gave him great joy and it caused God to have relationship with David. And this is in the Old Testament time where the Holy Spirit had not fully come yet. But as David got into God's word, it converted his soul his mind, will, and emotions, his innermost being. Those words jumped off, at the, off the page. They did something. They ignited and stirred something on the inside of him. And he said, the testimony of the Lord is sure. I can hear God's testimony to me. I can hear God speaking to me. And I know it's right, and I know it's sure, and I can trust in him. And he said, it makes the wise, simple, I don't have to be the smartest guy in, in the room. I don't have to have a PhD and a doctorate and all these other things. I trust in the Lord. See, saints, we got to stop saying, the, I'm not, and start saying he is. He will enlighten our understanding. He will give us wisdom beyond measure. And the statues, his commandments are right. If you follow those, if you follow the commandments of God, your heart will rejoice. But if you don't, you will live a life of sadness, of bleakness, of misery. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to tell you the truth. That there is fullness of joy in God's written word and his rhema word. And we need to be people that are about his word, that we allow his word to speak mightily in us, to draw us to him. And as we get closer and closer to the Lord, our joy becomes full, our eyes become opened, and our ears are sensitive to the things of God and we serve him right well because his word is life is truth and it is God